Welcome to this episode of the Hooniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Glucker. We've got my kick-ass co-host, Ron Baugh. And today we actually got a guest for the first time since relaunching this whole thing. Uh, say hello to Michael Thomas from Pennzoil, everybody. Hey, how everybody doing? I'm glad to be here, fellas. I like that we're saying hello to people, but like it's not like there's an audience waiting to hear us say that to respond to. <laughs> but, but that doesn't matter. Uh, thank you for joining us, Michael. Um, I want to kick this right off with you telling us a bit about your background, what you do for Pennzoil, and how yes. you got started in all of this, so we can understand who you are. Well, I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet, because you know what, fellas? I can probably go on for about an hour or three. So That makes my so, job easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, t- I got to tell you, it started, hey, watching the dad tinkering with the, with the family car, which was a 62 Mercury. Comet station wagon. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> <a good one. laughs> and uh, but yeah, just watch him tinker, and then you know one thing led to another. I remember hanging off the basket of uh, in the grocery store, and I have identical twin brother guys, but he's not a car nut like I am. I'm just somehow went bananas. I still have, but I'm not even gonna pull it out. I still have the first hot rod magazine that I saw sitting on the shelf, guys. It's May, 1966, and on the cover is Hearst. Harry's Oldsmobile. And if you guys take a look, it's gold and black with them 455 in the back, 455 in the front, smoke the tires at or the track. (laughs) That's right. I still have that. I was mesmerized, fellas. But then again, that's what got started into the models. We're talking the the, the slot cars, the, the matchbox on through. Start hanging out the local track. And, fellas, I'm from Virginia, southeastern Virginia, the Virginia Beach area, where we have uh, sanctioned drag strips, as well as they had uh, sanctioned NASCAR tracks, which I didn't hang around those too much. But, uh, but yeah, it was all about drag racing, hanging around with some of the uh, the younger, excuse me, older boys in the neighborhood who used to race their road runners, man. We're talking cool. GTOs. And uh, I found myself one day kind of leaning on the fender at the track, and they couldn't pretty much get their finger close to maybe adjust adjust the jets. They said, Mike, come on over here. Boy, you know, I was hey, I was what, 11, 12? Let me tell you, after that, guys, it was it was on. I, I went to a high school in the area that had an unbelievable automotive uh, program. So I was there as well as an apprentice at a dealership at the same time, 15 and 16. I'm at a dealer uh, as an apprentice. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember, because see, see, I'm an old guy. They used to have this thing they used to be around called Chrysler or Plymouth Troubleshooting Contest. It used to go around all the different states and get the best mechanics from the, the state. And they zoom them in to one area and they have 20 cars and you have two technicians need to try to find out what uh, what did they do. They disabled. They did that all through the 50s. Rick Hendricks, who, Hendricks Motorsports. And, he was part of one like in the early 60s, but wow. I, I did that. That was like major if you want to get into that. So anyway, I don't want to keep rambling on because I can, but that's part of my automotive background and uh, uh, went to went to school. I actually went to school for eight years, auto body as well as automotive technology, man, just a lot of years and just got into drag racing. I used to do a lot of drag racing with my 69 Camaro. And uh, in my teenage years in college and used to do some some they call it autocross, but road course out there. And I, I got a hold of a uh, 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 Audi Quattro, a 1986 all wheel drive turbo. We're talking the ones that are sought after now. Yeah, 
man, I wish I would have kept that car. I kept it for a while until parts got hard to find. I had it shipped from uh, Virginia to Houston because I'm here in Houston with Pennzoil. Uh, and, uh, but I just couldn't get parts, so I got rid of it. Now I wish I never got rid of it. I'm serious. So, but anyway, that's, a, that's how I, it's been. And I've been with this company for 30, going on 35 years. Wow. I'm there. I'm their technical advisor on uh, have a technical line is 1-800-BEST-OIL, me and a couple of colleagues. So you can call me on anything. You can ask me, hey, I need oil for 63 Belvedere or Flathead Ford. Um, Model A's from not just oil. We're talking transmissions, differentials. I have the books going back to 1917. So, really? so, so we get plenty of calls every day. Our number is kind of hanging out at all the parts stores, all your Jiffy Lubes everywhere so that's what i do uh during the day and i do have my podcast fellas you know i got to put a plug on there michael's motor oh, yeah. Alley. yeah michael's motor alley powered by pinzoil where motor oil is in motion <laughs> right, I have that down we need, yeah. a, we need a tagline ron i don't know what our tagline is going to be but we're going to come up with one for one yeah. of these by next week and you but, say you say you could keep going on and on, and and Ron yeah. and I are sitting here. We can just keep listening because this is oh, yeah. this is yes. some awesome stuff to hear. So so what what do you do? Like, uh, where did you start with Pennzoil, and how has your career changed over the years? Sure. Well, I got to tell you, I started with Jiffy Lube International as part of Pennzoil, and Jiffy Lube International needed a technical expert that can answer questions from their franchisees, and this is mid this is mid mid eighties. So here I am, I am, before that, here I am working, I worked for uh, a parts specialist for Western Auto, the first auto parts store in the United States. Always loved those ever since I was a little boy till dad was, I worked for them for several years as well as I had a shop with a friend, uh, just do it. But some guys, in a nutshell, some guys that was part of uh, Western Auto who went to Pennzoil and no, I raced and worked. They kind of grabbed me and said, buddy, you've been in this business a long time and you've been eat, drinking and sleeping it. We would like you to come and be our technical advisor for Jiffy Lube International. So I was there, there, there online, actually one online, it was called, you called me and asked me, look, what's going, what's going in a, you know, a 1970 Bronco? What do we put into manual transmission? What do we put? And again, one thing led to another, air conditioned services, all that. So I started then progressed being their their technical advisor throughout the late 80s. And then Pinzoil was part of Jiffy Lube International. They kind of pretty much bought them totally. And we're looking at one big company, Pinzoil, owning Jiffy Lube International totally. And then Quaker State was purchased by Pinzoil. Uh, and then Shell bought Pinzoil Quaker State Oil Company about 20 years ago. So I progressed throughout the, the research and development in that area. Uh, uh, answering questions there, pretty much. Uh, it's been at the technology center where I'm at now, research, just dealing with uh, the guys and our scientists and uh, and engineers in the labs when we tear down engines, check out things. It's just, I can go on just the many things uh, that I've been doing over the years, but now I am like the the answer man on my technical line. We're talking about all the emails that we get uh, asking for everything. These are like essays. So you know, in a, in a day's time, we may get 150 to 200, 200 calls as well as emails to our company because we do have an 800 technical line that's been in the parts stores for a while. Like take, for instance, the zone, AutoZone, they've had our technical hotline for a while. And you guys know as well as I do, years ago, it used to be two, two transmission fluids. Not anymore. Yeah. Two, two coolants. 
Not anymore. Uh, manual transmissions, you get synchromesh, you get different types. And uh, I tell you, our group has been keeping up with that uh, nonstop for, for years. So again, I can, I'm not bragging, but any question that's, that's pertaining uh, in our group, automotive tractors, Massey Ferguson's, the old ones, we got the manuals to answer. They help you get the right nice. clue for that. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not bragging if you're an expert and you know your subject. Like if, if, if I asked Ron a question about wheel fitment and tire size and I, he wouldn't be bragging, he would just know the answer. So, I mean, it's the same ball game there. Um, I have a question on, on Pennzoil's obviously involved in the motorsport side of things. Yes. What do you guys learn from the world of racing that translates into product development or action on the consumer side? What have you seen over the years? Yes, we're just going to just step back in the last uh, 15 years or so with our natural gas base oil, motor oil. And people say, what the heck is natural gas? And that's not a new process. It's It's been around for many, many, many years. We just happen to be the boys that have the patent on that product. Everybody else's oil. Again, they make good oils. But they start off with crude oil, and then you have to purify and get all the impurities out of there and get it clean, and then you can add all your your synthetic your synthetic byproducts and all the the you know the different anti anti foaming agents and all that. But with our base oil is already ninety nine point five percent pure. When the people say, "How do you get the natural gas? What's the big deal?" Well, picture natural gas just like we cook. We cook, you know, our fried fish on the stove. You got natural gas, but you can take that natural gas and as it as it goes, and I would say, like you, it goes into like a pot, and you can compress that natural gas, which is moist. It's pure, and you get little droplets. It's like steam. Little droplets come if you can grab that and just hold it and compress it. It's 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 clear. We're talking, and this is what blows me away. And I'm not a chemist, guys. I, I'm a gearhead by heart, but it is 99, I got to stress that, 99.5% pure. We already have clean base oil already ready to go to get started. And then you add our other, what we call high performance products. So getting back to racing, like take, for instance, the. Uh, uh, I, I have to throw the uh, the boys over with the big hemis, the Chrysler and Dodger. They switched over to our product line uh, t uh, 10, 10 to 12 years ago, and they were using one of our competitors, and they were getting back into the Trans Am scene with the Vipers. And they said, hey, can we just you know, pretty much check out the wall in so many words? And they checked it out, and they saw significant performance and those engines and they pretty much and they pretty much switched over to our natural gas product our zero w40 srt that goes on all the hemis and hellcats uh so that technology goes right into what we call our passenger car motor not just that the indy take instance the indy cars they use a zero w20 which you see zero 20 all over the place and you have to have a zero 20 that you can buy over the sh over the uh, over the counter to, uh, to be able to have it in Indy cars. It's something you can go on Amazon and buy. But that technology of showing how the engines are running with less friction, less wear, uh, clean, less stress. Oh, we're talking less contaminants. A lot of the technology that comes from racing goes right back into our motor oil that we're selling right on the shelf right now. All the zero W16s and zero 20s. As someone, as someone who has older cars with maybe engines with a bit more 
tolerance inside uh, the idea of putting a zero anything zero sixteen twenty in my cars is, is would be wild. I know, I know. But if you think about it, uh, all of the first numbers on motor oils are going lower because the most damage is done when you start a car. That oil pump has to push it up to the upper areas to the valve train as quickly. So that's not an issue there is what people are saying. Well, geez, a 16 and not to mention what's going on overseas. You got eight and 10, you know, so we will. I don't think that might see the light of day here in the United States because, you know, you're going to have people screaming and hollering. That's just too thin. But but think about, again, the engines, the clearances and the tolerances and these engines are tight. And yeah. I got I got to tell you, this one story won't take about a minute and a half or so. A fella called me up several years ago. He had a, sta a stable, I would say three Mustangs. He had a 65 Mustang, 289, and had a 70 Boss. Oh, okay. Man. But, but, but. 302, 351, 429. What are we talking about? 302. Okay. Now, okay. He, he, had, he, had, he had one that's big money. But this guy had a garage that was, you know, lifts and everything, retired gentleman out of Ohio. But this guy bought a brand new, ordered a black Mustang a few years ago. All the bells and whistles, black on black, convertible roof, the way he wanted it. Okay, this particular V8 is taking, uh, is not taking anything thick, it's taking a 520. But he assumed, hey, this is high performance, I got it. I'm going to do my own oil changes. So how I got involved is that this guy bought the car in February, changed the oil, took that out put it in his lift in his house, lift it up, put 1040 in, mind you, and uh, but didn't drive because it's wintertime. You know, February, March, still kind of cold. So so he decided when uh, spring came along in June, he put 2050, guys, 2050. Cool. Now, this guy still don't even have eight or 900 miles on the engine yet. Okay, he went to go do some cruising. Some cruising in, in June. Well, and his Mustang, mind you, he's doing the same thing he would do with his classic Mustangs, uh, the type of oil. Because, again, those oil can use molasses. Can you yeah. set me way back there? It's no big deal. So, But main, what he did, assuming, and again, he assumed wrong, he put that in with the cruise. The next thing you know, you can mess up veritable time and you can do a whole lot. A lot of things start happening. Lights start coming on. He started, uh, the engine wanted to shut down. So needless to say, I get involved because this guy called me and said, Mike. I've been using your pins all forever and something's wrong. I said, well, what's wrong, big fella? He said, it's at the, it's at the dealer right now. His name is Mr. Jones. I said, Mr. Jones, it's at the dealer and you hold on. I said, okay, I'm going to put a three-way. So he put the, the service uh, the service manager on because they've already had the car three days. They checked everything. You know, They said the oil looked good. And this is what they told me was telling me, but they had the oil overnight to get it analyze that's the only way you're going to find out what's happening so they end up telling him and he ended up calling me and they uh uh got him on the line here's a three-way and uh the service manager said mike you know mr jones brought his car in and uh definitely had uh, sensors on the engine was in like limp mode it was horrible okay we had the oil analyzed we see traces of Good old, you know, good old Motorcraft 5W20 is in there, traces of that. But the, the viscosity, because I tell guys all the time, you can't play with chemists now at the labs. They're just like a CSI. They, they, <laughs> they can find out whatever. They can even tell you how your habits of driving is. That's how good they are. I know our guys in our labs, oh, man, they can tell you if you're driving like a little old lady. So, but no, what they found is there's traces of uh, 1040 and 2050 all through there. And they said... Mr. Jones, 
you know, we found all these traces. What's going on? What happened? Well, I changed your oil. I got high-performance Mustangs, and I did the same thing. This is a high-performance one as well. He said, then I said, Mr. Jones, Mike, tell this guy straight. What is he talking? I said, hey, buddy, uh, Mr. Jones, <laughs> they're right. You can't put thick oil in today's cars. Case closed. Yeah, uh, yeah, he ended up damaging a few things, which uh, he definitely put them out of warranty. But they took care of them. But you know, I said all that to say you can't uh, you can't put thick oil in in today's vehicles. Uh, no matter you might think, hey, oh, you know, oil thicker is better. But once that oil pump is trying to pump, you're changing oil pressure. You ch you you're changing the you drag on the parts. Everything is going on. So. Uh, but again, I get a lot of calls on my technical hotline. Hey, I want to use this. I got 170,000 miles. Can I boop it up to the next Wisconsin? I said, if you had old school cars like we like we had back in the uh, early 90s on back to the, you know, you know, 50s and 60s, you can do that. Them cast out engines can take everything, anything. <laughs> I'm telling you, motor honey. That they yeah. Use. So, so, but that's one thing I would say. Viscosity is a big thing nowadays. You just can't play around. And uh, and getting back to initial, like I said, I talk too much. But the initial thing you asked, some of the technology from racing goes right into our passenger car, and we and we're factory filling a lot of cars. The guys you really don't know, all the Dodge Chrysler, Jeeps, uh, BMW, uh, uh Hyundai and uh, I can go on and on. Ferrari, Maserati, Fiat. So we are pumping the good stuff, the good natural gas based oil. Awesome. Now, uh, speaking of older cars, is is yes. it, talking high mileage stuff? Is what what are you recommending? And then at that level, you know, do do you, is synthetic oil good for older stuff, or should we stick with the the well, non synthetic stuff? What's the what's the play? You know what? That question's been asked for for many decades. People have been really afraid, and they they this myth out here thinking, "Oh boy, I'm gonna put synthetic in my old school car. It's gonna affect my valve guide seals, my main seals. Everything's going. It doesn't affect that. The same type of seal conditioners are in synthetic than then you know in your high mileage motor oils are conventional. But the thing is, synthetic flows well. If you got a little little leak coming from somewhere with your conventional motor oil. You put that good old synthetic, mind you, the good synthetic is very good on the metals, very better lubricant on metals, but it can squeeze its way, fellas, through that little crack a little better. You got one drop with conventional, you might have three drops with with uh, with the synthetic. That's a, So I tell guys all the time, you know, there is a possibility. It's, uh, you know, just try it and see some 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 people up there gotten back with me. And one guy got back with me with a 1988 Cadillac with 80,000 miles called me and said, look, I, I just knew he's going to start screaming. He said, no, my buddy just told me to run synthetic and I run back and forth. But he's in Detroit going back and forth to a casino. So he knows his miles. He said, I ended up getting about 27 miles more to a tank. But mind you, he's got an 88 Cadillac, which is a land yacht, which you know, is yeah. a 4100 motor. Uh, yeah. All aluminum motor. Oh, yeah. man. Well, man, so he's going back and forth to the casino, but he just called me up to let him let me know that here's this car that's that that old, you know, over 30 years old, but it's getting good, better gas models. Just and again, we know, and that's why the automakers, all automakers are gone to synthetic or synthetic blend. There's nobody using conventional uh anymore. So so that's uh 
better gas mileage. One of the things is not your big high performance Corvette or Porsche motor oil anymore like it used to be. Right. All you, so you can get away, um, get away. That's what the things are going on with the automakers, synthetic blend or synthetic. Yeah, it's funny you say that about it being, you know, like your Porsche or something like because I think there was a period in time where not to talk about a competitor, but it was a big calling card to say, oh, I put mobile one in this and like that's all that ever. And for a while, that was like kind of a prestigious thing. It was like throwing saying you got Pirelli yeah. tires. Yes. But now, now there are better tires than Pirelli tires and it doesn't need to be mobile one. And um, yeah. so, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting point, though. Um, that's probably why, though, I should probably not put synthetic in my stuff because that's a jag behind me. <laughs> I, I am but looking at that jag now. Is it's that had a heart transplant? Uh, that's what I was going to ask you because I had a buddy. Real again, I got more stories. Uh, got, my buddy had a he was in the army, but he shipped it back over from England. He had uh, uh, what's the numbers? Because you know it better than I do. But it was a '76 Jaguar. He already yanked the engine out. But yeah. it was so easy for him to put a 350 and a turbo hydromatic 350 transfer. That. <laughs> yeah, this has a this has a 350 TPI with I think it's the 700 R4 gearbox in there. Oh, good. Um, yep. So that's how I bought it though. I didn't do it. Oh man, <laughs> I, I would love to have it that way. Take take the other engine out, put this in, and I'm telling you, have. That's the only way to go, man. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm, still, yeah, well, I'm still drooling over that. Well, Ron and I went to two different car shows on Saturday. He was in his car. I was in my car. Not very economical, but <laughs> that's the way we did it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this this was nice because with the Chevy engine, I mean, it was almost running cold. And it was hot out that day, it was too. 90 yes. degrees, yeah. Yes. The air conditioning Worked wasn't great. working because that's the Jaguar part. But, you know, <laughs> the engine was working great. Oh, Ron was comfortable in his Audi, though. Oh, there you go, buddy. I hear you. Hey, you know what? You were mentioning something. I do get questions all the time when it comes to old school cars. Uh, uh, what oil do we put in? And we're talking, I say old school, from early 90s on back to flathead Fords. And I, I explain all the time uh, when in, in the mid 2000s, when the government kind of hooped and hollered and said every, every old company had to lower the zinc level due to catalytic converter problems may occur with too much uh, zinc clogging them up. So, and I just remember on how things start eventually going a little bit downhill because uh, once you lower the zinc, everybody with their classic big block, small block engines, not enough zinc between the flat tappet cam and lifters. And, uh, and you know, and people ask me, what do you do? I said, I, I tell, we have Rotella. We happen to be part, we have Rotella, Pennzoil, and Quaker State. So I Rotella T4, over 1,200 parts per million of zinc. That is the way, but that's a big diesel. It's the big diesel oil. Yeah, but it's formulated to work just well in our classic, again, don't have to be classic American. It could be your old British Leyland car. It can be any Porsche 911, 914, any 928, you name it, it goes in it. Without I, I, I have heard a lot of in the forums and stuff and when, because people are always asking in there, like, what should I put in my car? And you always see a lot of answers. And Rotella comes up a lot, actually, in some of the older stuff. So that makes sense if it's if it's holding all the, the zinc compared to all the other brands you're thinking yeah, of. Yeah, every, everything on the shelf is 800 parts per million. That's way lower than what vehicles were running uh, early 90s on back. So you are you are looking at maybe some uh, wear and tear on the flat tampon cam and lifters in a period of time, especially if you put the, put the pedal to the metal. 
that's more pressure and stress and strain and you will start wearing. So I tell guys, if you don't, if you don't go my avenue on the shelf all in the last 10 years, you see uh, some companies got the zinc additive and you do the math and put it in and boost it up to a safe level. You mm-hmm. have, you have to do it. You just can't play games and you yes. don't have to put racing oil either. People buying racing go, I can put right. Ra- you don't need 2000 parts per million of all of that. in your in your, you know, 327. You, you, you can get away with it, but it's over, over, overkill. That's what I was just going to say about racing oil. Cause I, a couple years ago, we, um, we used racing oil to break in when we did a cam on yeah. an engine Bingo. and then we drained it and, and put in normal oil after we did yeah. the cam breaking. Because we have to break in the cam, uh, the way we talk in the rings, the valves got to seat properly. It has to be done with a non-synthetic, non-synthetic high zinc motor oil. Okay. All right. So we did do it right then. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did. That it wasn't was- me who suggested it. It was the person I was working with who knew a lot more than I did. Uh, uh, but but okay. it was it did worked out, and it was fun breaking in a cam because I'd never done that before. Yes. Um, his neighbors didn't enjoy it, I don't think, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. They, they heard it. <laughs> now, um, I see that some of your products are listed as carbon neutral. Can you explain what that means as it relates to motor oil production? Well, because you know everything is going carbon neutral, meaning that, you know, biodegradable bottles and different things like that. See, that's when you start getting into carbon neutral. Our okay. plants are running more efficiently, not polluting our atmosphere and all that. That's what we look at when we're talking about carbon neutral. It's not, it's not per se changing the motor oil and miraculously, even though even though our scientists, and again, not just us, everybody, they're making their motor motor oil more efficient so cars can can uh, run better with uh, with less, you know, unburned hydrocarbons and all that type. You just don't see again like our our cars, our old cars, which I love my old cars and carburetors and everything. I just, <laughs> but you know, the, the things were just they yeah. were hustlers. Uh, PCB valve not only you got the you got unburned hydrocarbons. You got it was, it was a mess. But now you, we have we have to start thinking more, more you know a little bit more about our environment because again we gotta we we gotta breathe and live in, on this earth. We That's right. We can't just take off and hit for the moon. So. Of course, of course. Um, now, over the years, being at Pennzoil as long as you've had, I'm sure you've been involved in some, either maybe some cool projects or some builds or even some of your own personal stuff. Do you have any like builds or cars over the course of your career that you that stand out in your head as your favorites? Oh boy, yes, <laughs> yes, guys. I can tell you, like I said, my. Uh, I used to race my my Camaro. I had got a '69 Camaro, but first before that, I had an a, a '70 AMX. That was uh, I gotta tell you, back in back in the '70s, guys, you used to be razzed about your AMX cars because they if you didn't have a Mopar, if you well, that wasn't until oh, until Mark Donahue came along, uh, right? Don't get me started. That's what the guys you just hit it on. That's why I wanted an AMX because I followed Mark Donahue. Oh my goodness, guys, you just see now you just got me, you got me going crazy because I'm serious. This is one guy. Uh, see, I don't even want to turn around and pull stuff. I, I, I got the Camaro. I got the red, white, and blue. I got, I got the Porsches. I got the, the Mark Donahue was the man. Yeah. Talking engineer, smart. Pen, Penske loved them to death. Yep. <laughs> it's, oh, that's again, that's why the AMX was, was purchased. But 
man. And I tell Michael said when he when he died in that accident, I remember it again like it was yesterday. I was a young fella. That hurt. That that yeah. hurt hard, man. I'm telling you, that hurt hard. I wrote a paper about him too, and uh, it was something. But guys, but again, I end up dropping that and getting a 69 Camaro. It wasn't a rally sport, wasn't an SS, but it had a 350, had a turbo hydromatic 350, had a 12 had a bolt rear end, which was kind of cool. But you know, that engine had to go and had to go bigger. <laughs> <laughs> As we do. Yes, because man, we we because we had a local track there and a, a sanctioned uh, uh, track. I'm serious. All the guys used to come there growing up from Don Perdome and Garlitz. These guys, I used to see these guys, man. I'm telling you, used to blow me away when I was a little fella. So I was truly bidden. So yeah, I had to drop a 396 in it. So <laughs> and, oh, oh man, I had to put that in on a gas guzzle. But you know, one thing happened on that. I broke the drive shaft. Talking about embarrassing, I still haven't lived Did that day. Loop? <laughs> Did you have a drive shaft loop? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it broke it broke at the at the rear end. Oh, okay. It was kind of that, but it was kind of embarrassing. Best I just remember case that. Yes. Yeah, so, but that was that was one of the projects I've had. I've had a project, like I said, I can jump from that and uh uh 914, pulling the 914 Porsche that was a uh, uh, uh 73. Had that and pulled that engine out and uh, put some Webers on it. And uh, that was fun. Uh, like I said, I've had my Audi Quattro. Guys, I've had 911. Guys, we can go on and on. My Triumphs. I had, I had TR7s. So I don't want to mention the TR7. You must really love You must really love oil with all the it's, British cars. I mean, that's that's, uh, that shows so, your passion about your craft. Oh, man. I love, hey, man. It was all about the cars and not about, and, and man, if I get into the custom, the customizing of vans back in the late day, I have one Whoa. with 10 headlights and 10 headlights in the front <laughs> because we had car shows and van shows in Virginia Beach, Virginia back in the day. And guys, I have one with uh, painted with the dark side of the moon on the side. Yes. I got. Uh, I we got you're, you're my new best friend. I want to see pictures of all of these cars, especially the vans, like the custom <laughs> van eras. Like I, I feel like I miss my calling in my my stage in life. And don't uh, that's a whole life there in customization, of uh you know put the captain chairs, the wings, the covering, the 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 side the side mirror so it can mold in look like us aerodynamic. Guys, let me tell you, that was a whole that was a whole not whole a whole nother side because they're not you know not just playing in the engines and racing, customizing. We're talking, I'm serious. The refrigerator, put the TV. That and my twin brother, we were into that. The you know it had a, of course it had a bed in it, but again we were all about the show because people think oh the vans we know what you guys in the seventies were doing. Bang, bang, wang, wang, you know? <laughs> no, no, but man, we were, we, I'm telling you, we were all into the, the, uh, the car scene then cuss. It, it was just unbelievable, man. It was just unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, guys, I may, I'm going to, I'm going to get you an email and I'm going to send you some pictures of these Please, because yeah, I, I could be here all day, like showing you pictures here yeah. and, and, uh, but I, I better not, but you know what? Um, hold on. Hey, one second, go ahead and ask the question. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. I, I, the ten headlights sounds almost uh, Japanese, like in terms of its uh, hand design. I, I, I hope that. I have it right here, but it was like crazy because thank goodness I had buddies. I had buddies uh, in state inspection, even though I used to be a state inspector too. But <laughs> I, I, oh, geez, I thought I had it here, but I'll send it to you later on, guys. Yeah, I, yeah. 
but but yeah, it was it was four square headlights, and it was again, you're not supposed to have that many headlights, but uh, but it was just you know you wanted to set in t- what they call tube grills. If you guys remember seeing the old customized oh, yeah. uh, uh, vans from back in the day, it was like, uh, and you always want to have your set apart. Had what they call the California pipes coming out the side, like the yeah, hips, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and of course, Craig or SS's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, gotta you got to. There weren't too many back then. The only thing that was out there was Western, Krager. You had some center lines that came out for racing, but you didn't have the big boys. Like, you like you know, the wheels wheels are big money now, but you didn't have a big selection sure. back then. I think, I think we're going to need to talk to Pennzoil about sponsoring a Hooniverse podcast van build because I already have <laughs> so many ideas. <laughs> mobile podcast studio. Yes. Guys, if you can get uh, if that Dodge comes van back, style, Dodge. We talking Dodge had some wonderful vans. My van was a Chevrolet van, and uh, but yeah, Dodge and Chevrolet had the best vans to customize. Ford came out and the scene, but they're kind of squarish. One yeah. they had a Levi one. It's just guys, that was I'm serious. That was I was going back and forth in that universe, man. When it, back then it was like that was That's my awesome. life. That was my life, man. It's, it's yeah, I was going to say, it, it was more of a lifestyle, I feel like, than any other sort of customization. Like, you know, you really, like, lived and breathed that stuff and, like, built a lifestyle around it. It wasn't just something that you drove. Something right. you right. almost lived in, right? Oh, man, and the radio systems that you had to, everybody right. was going crazy, blah, punk, all this. Oh, man, it was, you just wanted to have your equalizers, your your radio, the system, it Oh, man. See, I haven't thought this deeply about that in years. And now I'm thinking back on how how you were thinking, everybody, you know, how your van look, open the doors. What? Wow. What in the world? What is that? <laughs> you know, it's just, almost it's almost like where overlanding is at today, where right. it's like more yes. of a lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, you got that fridge in there. Oh, you got that mm-hmm. awning. Like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yep. Um, I'm going to jump over to Twitter and pull up some of these questions. Um, they're going to be kind of all over the map a bit. Hey, I'm boy. First one from uh, at boring underscore cars. He wants to know, they want to know, will you also be, they posted a picture of a Valvoline oil in like a a bag. Will you be selling bagged lubricants like them? We already have uh, what they call bag. It's, but again, the, the fellows that are using it are a lot of your shops have what we call eco box. And there's like a bladder in there, 24 quarts. But the, these guys talk about like what a five quart bag or something. yeah, this looks like a five quart. That I don't know because I'll be honest, I'm not part of that decision on making what we call the bottles and the size. Just what's okay. in it? Sure. But, That's interesting. The big bladders make sense. Oh, uh, yeah. at, at Superset, Greg, how is all synthetic oil the same, and how is it all different? Okay, not all synthetic is the same. Again, it's all about the base oil. Again, ours starts from natural gas. And that is different from any other synthetic uh, motor oil maker out there. And uh, so they're not the same. People try to say, oh, they're all the same. No, they're going to be, I would look at it this way. You got the lubricity, the slipperiness, but we have found with our base oil and again, race teams, F1 uses the base oil uh, a lot. lot. Hey, Penske, Don Schumacher Racing, hey, we just won the funny car thing uh, with Ron Caps r- running our pure base oil. So uh, again, it's not the same. I don't ba- I don't I, I don't bash any other oil company. Right. They, but again, 
hours seem to be pretty good. Other guys make good good oil as well, so they're not the same. Good answer. No, that's a good answer. Chris Tracy at Overlanding Dad wants to know, uh, does prolonged towing need a different motor oil, or am I overthinking towing a travel trailer with our 2017 Suburban? So let me just hear that again. Does prolonged towing, because all you're doing is just pulling a vehicle behind yeah. in, in neutral, so to speak, or something right. like that. So your engine's just sitting there. You know, the oil is sloshing around in the crankcase, but that's, it's not under any stress and strain or anything. It's You just need to change, change it, whatever the OEMs say, change it, change it. Or you can change it sooner. Okay. What about um, trans fluid, though, in, the, in those cases? I feel like transmission yeah, is typically taxed more under towing than maybe I, an inch would. You know what? You did toss something because you think about it. The trans fluid, and again, look at transmission fluids now. They used to be at every thirty to 35,000 miles. If you go back about 20 years ago, everybody. Now, you know what? They're looking at 100,000 plus mi thousand miles on it, and you can't really do it yourself on a lot of the newer ones. So, I would I would inquire because again I would think that would be some wear and tear on it. But again, formulation and motor oil as well and as well as transmission fluid, man, has changed. It's not like the old Type F <laughs> hydraulic. That was literally <laughs> hydraulic fluid. But the friction modifiers and uh, the additive package of some of these transmission fluids do have the ability to go a long way under under some stress and strain. So I still think like what you said. That is that is some wear and tear, but you can always you can always have it changed out. I never go over what they say, but uh, but that could you could have it analyzed to be to double check to see if there's anything going on. That's that's the bottom line. Get it analyzed. That's 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 the best way to do anything. Sure. Um, Team Radar Love at Midnight Drifto got one for the viscounts of viscosity. Went from a stock setup on my Miata to a supercharged and mild motor build. From yes. a motor oil standpoint, Track what should it. I be looking out for in picking what to run? Okay, what you know, number one, he he's he's put what did I hear him say? He put a big supercharge on it. Supercharger, and he also did a forged rotating assembly, so mild engine work as well. Ow! So he did. So you know what? He's gonna be running synthetic, of course. And he's gonna be hitting it on track day, because you know a lot of Mayatas are track day cars. Mm -hmm. So so you know what he needs to do, and a lot of guys do look at this. All the running and up and down he does. Oh, and again, I, I got to keep stressing. He could be looking at something there, but visually it's no big deal. But to find out exactly what's happening, oil analysis, you got places out there, Polaris, Blackstone. They can tell you if you have gotten added wear uh, particles in there, metalware or different things, or a load up on fuel or something. That's the only way because you just can't look at it and say, you know what, maybe you just want to do a couple of runs, spend the $15 or so, have it checked, and then you know what's going on. That's the only way. Good answer. Get it analyzed. Um, yeah. Pasha Nazrat at that dude Pasha. He's he's using acronyms that I don't fully understand. So I'll I'll read this question. Okay. D1G2 was a game changer for small displacement turbocharged direct injection engines dealing with LSPI. I know exactly. What future engineering challenges with ICE engines do you see in the future? Will Pennzoil stick with GTL technology or switch to PAW, PAO? No, 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 no. We're not switching over to PAO. We are going to stick to our G, what we call GTL, which is gas to liquid. 
which that our product is found to be excellent with the low speed pre-ignition issue that happened several years ago with a lot of the small engines, uh, GM, Ford, with their EcoBoost, you have direct injection, you have the smaller turbos, the added pressure and condition caused a carbon buildup due to all engines, they burn oil, and some of the oil is in the combustion chamber, but with the added pressure and the added combustion that was going on, it caused carbon and you had pre-ignition or diesel and guys used to call. So we definitely had uncontrolled, but you know what? It was due to the type of motor oil. Our motor oil when used, no problem with the buildup. So then you had a new API service rating that had to come out uh, which was SN plus you oils had to everybody had to make them have an oil several years ago to meet that for your smaller turbo engines that the OEMs were making. So now it's SP your oils have to meet SP which that's part of it and then like I said it's the uh, it's the newer categories that are out there but again answer that question we're not changing anything because our motor oil already pretty much have handled any of those issues. What is PAO? Uh, PAO, PAO is, uh, you're, you're looking at a motor oil, base oil that's blended. Uh, it could be blended from a base oil with a crude or something, and you just mix it together and make it, you can make it like uh, the characteristics of a uh, of a synthetic. So it's like a, a Meritage red wine mm-hmm. where you're taking some of the vintages that you want. Okay, that makes sense to me up here. <laughs> yes. Um, now, that dude, Pasha, has another question. It says, does SOPAS have a cohesive marketing plan moving forward? It seems like over the past few years, there was Platinum, Ultra Platinum, Rotella Gas Truck, Quaker State, Ultimate Durability, et cetera. Similar products branded quite differently. And then you wrote, used all four in the same car, no complaints. Okay. No. <laughs> Pasha's got to be the most informed oil Wow. Okay. And, and questioner ever. He has another question after Thanks. this too, by the way. Does he really? Okay. really? He just mentioned all about motor oil straight down the line, all the different <laughs> names. But what was the major part of that? Because I was so stuck on all my whole lot of oils that he mentioned. He, 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 he just asked me if there's a if there's a cohesive marketing plan moving forward, because it seems like you're marketing the same types of oils under different names, just you brand it differently. Like, okay, now I'm not the marketing and salesperson. I'm, right. I'm the guy back here bathing in oil in the research. But you know, you got to make everyone happy. And some people say, well, why didn't you just get rid of one of the names? Some people got to see a green bottle, Quaker State. Yeah. So Quaker State, Quaker State had the ultimate durability, but now it's just called full synthetic. The name has been changed. So, uh, but yes, we got Pinzoil lovers who have to see Pinzoil. We got the Ultra with a little bit more robust detergent for those boys who want that. We got the the platinum. So again, we got Rotella gas truck, full synthetic. Well, people say, is it just for trucks? No, it goes in cars, cars with gasoline engines, trucks with gasoline engines. So we have to accommodate everybody. With sure. the, and, and again, the quality, people say, well, which one should I use? Let me tell you the quality, the quality is top notch on all of them. Our, our ultra, Again, that's more more of our robust detergent than that. So that is that is definitely looking at an upper tier oil. Our platinum super. And, and again, I tell guys it's all about the specs too. Look at those million dollar specs that are on the bottles. I remember we didn't have to have all these specs from the automakers, but you have to have the approval uh, that it works in their engines. So again, we have to have our different uh, labels of oils. 
to accommodate the public. We're not going to eliminate names and just say, okay, yeah. you're done. Right, right. Makes sense. Uh, one more from that dude, Pasha. Pennzoil slash Sopas is great stuff, but some of your competitors are reaching customers through avenues like YouTube with someone like TJ Hunt. Ever thought of doing more with your brand reps? Leah Pruitt is great, but you can do more. So they're they're thinking about other avenues for getting your, your people to reach customers, I guess. But you're doing their podcast, which we can plug that again. Yes, I am doing the podcast, and we're going to say it again, Michael's Motor Alley, powered by Pennzoil. But but yes, there are even on YouTube, you're going to see you can see some of our uh, we, we've had our scientists and engineers on there over the years. Yeah. And uh, and if you guys plug in, you can see some of the uh, if you go in, you can see the Ferraris and the BMWs and all the uh, uh, vehicles or automakers we've been affiliated with. They're all over YouTube, too. So, uh, again, I'm not part of the marketing and sales. Of course, I'm looking at, you know, at least what I've heard, we. The pandemic, pandemic put a damp on everything. <laughs> I, did see, I did see a build, uh, a YouTuber I follow that I like, Mike Burrows from Stancework. He just wanted, yes. it looks like Penzo just started sponsoring some of his stuff. So it looks like they might be doing what uh, Pasha is asking in the question. Exactly. So I think that's a good direction to go, at least on that on that front. Um, sure. We hope to be at SEMA again. Uh, it wasn't here this year, but usually in the past, buddy, we... We usually bring it all, all the yeah. dresses, the funny cars, the 22 car, everything. Hennessy cars, I think that's a partnership that, that's oh, worth you, mentioning. You How's better that? believe it. Actually, guys, if you can, next week, I'm right there. I've been with Hennessy last week, so my podcast will be with Hennessy. I was there at his shop amongst all the uh, the F5s. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And the, so, yes, if you guys want to listen, uh, that will be out next week. Uh, Michael's Motor Alley with, uh, with John Hennessy. Awesome. Now, uh, Michael, are you on social media at all? Uh, the only thing I'm on all your places where you can get your uh, podcasts, okay. all the Spotify and on all that, that I'm there. Uh, it will be hopefully, <coughs> excuse me, hopefully I'll be, I'll be on YouTube <laughs> uh, <laughs> future, but we, we will see. But, but yeah, I am mainly definitely on, on your podcasts. Okay. Uh, every one of them. Perfect. Um, I'm going to take a minute to, to, to wrap up this episode first by saying, uh, you know, uh, go check out Michael's podcast. Um, go have a deeper look. If you have any questions, it sounds like they're, they're there to answer any of your oil related questions, which is always nice to see. Um, we've got a future episode coming up with our friend Bradley Brownell. We're going to talk about um, Radwood, how that's going, and also Autopia going forward as well. Um, we will be at Radwood on Saturday, uh, which, you know, I'm bringing the Montero. Uh, Ron is maybe bringing some of his vehicles. <laughs> not maybe, not maybe. Nope. It's happening. I'm bringing two vehicles. Two what? vehicles. What are yeah. you bringing? I have a, a 1991 uh, Fox body notchback that's a 351 swap. That'll be there. And then um, I have my 96 two-door, two-wheel drive Tahoe. So it's uh, it's very. I, I've even got outfits based on each vehicle, so there'll, there'll be a costume change somewhere uh, somewhere during the show. But hell yeah, Great. love Radwood. Super excited for it. Yes, yes. Uh, um, yeah, I I just ordered some stuff. I have um, I'm dressing up as well. Um, so it'll be fun. But Montero, I don't. I'm not bringing the Jag. I'm just doing one car. Um, and uh, so we're we'll looking forward to that. And then uh, we've got some other good stuff. And then uh, Ron and I will be daydreaming about a potential Hooniverse podcast yes. van build. <laughs> Thanks yes. to Michael. Yes. One takeaway. It's a, a van build needs to happen. Right. Right. But uh, Michael, I want to take a moment and, and, and just say thank you so much for coming on. Um, Welcome. 
Ron and I could have just let you, we could have sat back and listened to you. It was fantastic. You're a wonderful storyteller with a whole lot of stories to tell uh, and a great voice to to hear in the industry. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. I hope to be on again. You know what? Can I have you guys on my podcast in the future? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. That'd be fun. It would be our pleasure. And actually, I might be out in Houston in February. So (laughs) maybe maybe we'll do it in person. My brother... My brother lives in the woodlands, so. I used to live in the woodlands. Now I live like on the opposite side, out west, near my near my research lab. But yeah, I was that was my home for 14 years in the nice. woodlands. I will reach out on that. Um, but again, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. To everybody listening, thank you, uh, thank you. We'll see you on the next one. Okay, guys, you take care. Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>